You know what prophecy is? It's just history written before it happens. Right? And the theological word for it is eschatology, the study of prophecy or the study of end time events. And since the Bible has so much to say about the end times, it's just good that we look at it every once in a while. And I realize that most people aren't concerned too much about what's going to happen down the road. Uh, most people are trying to just get to the end of every week sane. Is that, is that right? So, so, I, so I under, I, you know what I mean? That's pretty funny, isn't it? To get to the end of the week sane, you know? Because we've got problems in this world and pro, you know, problems now. What, what, what are we going to do now? And So we don't really think so much about what's going to happen down the road. So I try to teach messages that help you to get to the end of the week sane. That's still funny, isn't it? You know? and, uh, but every once in a while, it's good to take a look at these end time events. And uh, so that's what we're going to do today. Uh, you, you may not realize this, but in the, in the world of the prophecy teachers, and there are some good prophecy teachers out there. And, you know, just like with anything, there's, there's kooky people, you know. Have you ever noticed there's some kooky people, you know? And, and, and you see it in, in finances. You know, some, a lot of preachers are real good on finances, but there's some that are, some, some of them kooky and they're trying to get your money. And, but uh, just because there's kooky things going on doesn't mean we should throw out the real. Is that, is that right? Okay. And so, but uh, in, in the world of prophecy, teaching and whatnot, yesterday was a, was a big day. That Revelation, you know, the book of Revelation, last book in the Bible, that Revelation 12 sign uh, where the, it shows a woman, and you could read it sometime, we won't turn to it now, but in Revelation chapter 12, the first one or two verses, talks about the woman clothed with the sun, the moon under her feet, 12 stars above her head and all of that, and, and some other things there. And because of that, it was in the stars. You know, if you, and actually, it talks about in the book of Revelation that there's a, a, a red dragon, you know, that, 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 that tries to devour her child. And uh, if you look at the constellations, and by the way, the stars, God put the stars up there, and there's nothing evil about the stars. And there's nothing evil about studying astronomy, Astrology is what's evil, okay? And, and you know the devil always takes what is good and perverts it. And so astrology is evil, but the study of the stars, astronomy, is fine. But actually, uh, if you look at the NASA site, and you can go, and I taught on gospel in the stars. How many of you know God painted the gospel in the stars? He really didn't. I taught on that not long ago. And, um, but if you go to the NASA website, you can see that the, the Virgo, the Virgin, and she's got the 12 stars above her head. And, and, and the, uh, the, the planet Jupiter has been like in her, her uh, uh, womb, you know, for the last nine months and all of that. And she has the moon un- was under her feet and, the, and, and, and clothed with the sun, all of that. And that's never happened before quite like that. It happened like that when Jesus was born some 2,000 years ago. But it, it happened in a very special way yesterday. And so some of the prophecy teachers were saying that yesterday was the day when the rapture, you know, that's when the church is caught up to heaven. They were saying that yesterday that was going to happen on September the 23rd. Well, here we are on September the 24th, and that didn't happen. Either that or we're all lost and not saved and we all missed it, but that's not the case. So does that mean that the Bible is wrong? No, it doesn't mean the Bible's wrong. How many of you know the Bible's not wrong? But, but sometimes people interpret it wrong. 
And, and, and several weeks back, months back, when I first heard this uh, Revelation 12 sign being taught, I said to my wife, I said, you know, it's very, and it's compelling, it's very interesting. By the way, on the NASA website, it, it, in, in Revelation 12, it talks about there's a red dragon that's going to devour the woman, you know, and these are symbols and whatnot in, in, in the Bible. But if you go to the NASA website, there is, they've redacted. You know what redacted means? They cut out a spot. There is a, there's something, a red horrible looking thing right in front of this woman, but NASA cut it out. There's some reason they don't want you to see it. I don't know what that is. But here's, here's the thing. It's very, very interesting, very compelling. But when I, when I saw this Revelation 12 sign some weeks ago, I said to my wife, I said, you know, it's very compelling. But the thing of it is, what the prophecy teachers was teaching doesn't fit where we're at right now. In other words, that Revelation 12 happens at the middle of the tribulation. We're not in the middle of the tribulation right now. We haven't even started the tribulation, you see. Did you get what I just said? So, so, so that Revelation 12 sign fits in the middle of the tribulation. We're not there, so, so what they were saying about yesterday couldn't happen in line with the Bible. Can, can you say amen? Did, did, am I making sense? You see, when you're studying prophecy, and what is prophecy? It's just history written before it happens. And you know God knows the end from the beginning, the Bible says. So he, he, how many of you know God never gets anything wrong? Is that correct? When studying prophecy, never try to make scriptures fit events, but rather watch events fall in line with scripture and you won't get in trouble. Did you get what I just said there? I'll say it again. When studying prophecy, never try to make scripture fit events. A lot of people have gotten in trouble doing that over the years, but rather watch events fall in line with scriptures. And, you know, and, and here's the thing, and this is, my wife and I were talking about this. Over the many years, we've heard so many different, you know, prophecy teachers set dates and they say, you know, um, well, the Lord's coming here. And then the day comes and goes and it doesn't come. And then, and then they'll say, well, he's coming on this date. And how many of you know they've been doing this for years and years, even back before any of us were born? And, and, he, and he hasn't come back yet. But I want to say it again. Just because he hasn't come back yet and all those people have been wrong... Friends, listen to me. There is going to come a day when the Lord is going to come back. So we don't need to be lulled to sleep just because a lot of folks got things wrong. Okay? Because the Lord is going to come back. He really, really is. How many of you know He came the first time, didn't He? And you know, if you go back before Jesus was born in Bethlehem, if you go back years before that, you know, Isaiah gave the prophecy and he said, Behold, the virgin shall conceive. Remember that? And, and so many prophecies in the Old Testament, way back before Jesus was ever born, and I'm sure that those people back there before Jesus were, was born probably were thinking, is he ever going to come the first time? Is the virgin ever going to conceive? Is it ever going to happen? 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 And you know, they had people watching the stars back there then. And there's nothing wrong with that as long as you don't get over into astrology. But remember the wise men, they were watching the stars, weren't they? And there were probably people saying, you know, well, is he ever going to come? Is he ever going to come? Is he ever going to come? And there's probably some people just kind of gave up on it and think, well, thinking, well, he's never going to come. But you know, the day came and what happened? God sent the angel to Mary and, and she, what? She conceived, didn't she? 
the virgin conceived, and Jesus came the first time, did he not? Yes, he did. And so now it's been about 2,000 years, and Jesus said he was coming back. Now, you know if he came the first time, he's going to come again. You understand it? So let's don't be lulled to sleep just because he hasn't come yet. He is coming. And, and so with that in mind, let's, um, let's go and look at Matthew 24, verse 1. Let's go there. Now, I've got a lot of scriptures for you today, but remember, that's a good thing. And let's look at some of these. And notice, uh, see, see what we can, can learn here. What I want to do is I want to take us from the time we're at now and kind of take us on out through eternity and see, see just some, some, some Bible things that, that, that are going to happen. I'm going to do my best with this. If you listen to any preacher preach on end time events, everybody kind of has their own little take on it. I've been studying this subject for some 30 years. I'm not saying I'm an expert on it. I've learned a few things. I've studied after a lot of good, good ministers on the subject. And so we'll do our best to give you what, what we feel the, the Spirit of God is saying here from the Word of God. Now Jesus, this is verse 1, Matthew 24, 1, went out and departed from this temple, and his disciples came up to show him the buildings of the temple. And Jesus said to them, Do you not see all these things? Assuredly, I say to you, not one shall be left upon another, not one stone will be left upon another that shall not be thrown down. Now, that was a prophecy Jesus gave about the temple, and that happened in 70 A.D. Now, you need to know that when Jesus prophesies something, it comes to pass 100% of the time. You understand that? And so this happened. It happened several years later in 70 A.D., and Titus came in, and he destroyed the temple and all of that. Okay, you can study that in history. Now, verse 3. Now, as he sat on the Mount of Olives, Jesus is sitting there on the mount. The disciples come to him privately saying, Tell us, when will these things be? What will be the sign? Now, watch this. The sign of your coming and the end of the age. And Jesus answered and said to them, Take heed that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, will deceive many. And you'll hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you're not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines, pestilence, and earthquakes in various places. Actually, it's great earthquakes is what he's really saying there if you study into it. And have we seen that going on? I mean, it's hard to turn a TV on anymore and not see where they're not talking about a great earthquake. Is that right? And our hearts go out to those in Mexico who just underwent those earthquakes down there. Mexico City, you're you're aware of that, aren't you? And then he says, verse 8, all these are the beginnings of sorrows. Then they'll deliver you up to tribulation and kill you, and you'll be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will be offended, will betray one another, will hate one another. Many false prophets will rise up, deceive many. And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. But he who endures to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations, and then the end will come. Now, we could read on and on and on, and and, and I would recommend that you finish reading chapter 24 and into 25 and all of that. But for the sake of time, I'm going to stop right here. It is interesting. He says right here, he gives us many signs. And he says, this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations, and then the end will come. Now, one thing about verse 14, and there's different takes on it, but, uh, you know, with television and, and all of the media that we have right now and whatnot, um, probably more of the world has been reached with the gospel than ever before. 
But did you know that there's still about 1,200 or so people groups that have not been reached with the gospel? You need to realize that. And, and you'll see as I go on with this teaching today that how many of you know as the church we're supposed to go into all the world and preach the gospel. Is that right? But, but I'll show you from, before I'm finished today that though the church I think is doing a good job, certainly we could always do better, you know, the, the Christians in the world, we could always do better. But we still haven't reached about 1,200 people groups, give or take. But I don't think the church is actually going to finish this job, as you'll see, before I, before I get done today. We need to take the gospel to all the nations. We need to do that. Still, a lot of the world hasn't been reached. But people will say, well, Jesus can't come back until the entire world is reached. That's true in the second coming. But we're going to see there's a rapture that takes place of the church before the second coming. See, the rapture and the second coming are two different events, as, as we'll see. And, and see, a lot of people say, well, the whole world has to be reached before the church can be caught up to heaven. And that's not what he said here. He's saying that the whole world has to be reached before he comes back in the second coming. And the church is working on that project right now. But I don't think the church is going to finish that project. There's going to be some other people that are going to finish this project of reaching the entirety of the, of the globe with the gospel. And then, because that has to happen before Jesus can come back, I'm just saying the church isn't going to be the, the group of people that finishes this job. You'll see what I'm talking about here in a minute. Now, so as I said, one of these days Jesus is going to return. And by the way, when he does return... We're going to look back at it and we're going to say, you know what we're going to say? We're going to say, because you see, looking forward at it now, there's, there's a few things, as I'm looking forward at the rapture, there's a few things I'm scratching my head on. I don't quite understand it all. Do you understand it all? I, I, I don't quite understand how ever, you know how everything's going to happen. Did you get what I just said? I've studied the scriptures and there's still a few things I'm just, but you know, when you get on the other side of it, you're going to look back at it. We're going to look back at it. And you know what? It's going to happen just like the Bible said that it did. For example, when Jesus came the first time, the Bible says that he was going to come out of Bethlehem. He was going to come out of Egypt and he was going to come out of Nazareth. Now, I don't know about you, but if I'm looking at that before Jesus comes the first time, I'm scratching my head. How's he going to come out of Bethlehem, Egypt? And Nazareth. I'm scratching my head. But after it happens and you look back at it, where was he born? So did he come out of Bethlehem? Yeah. And, and, and then Herod wanted to kill all the babies and kill all the male ba- children under two years of age. What happened? Uh, Joseph and Mary took Jesus into Egypt and then God called them out of Egypt. I've called my son. So that you see how, that, how Bethlehem, Egypt. And then where did Jesus go? Where did Joseph and Mary, where did they go and settle in so you see how all th- looking back at it makes perfect sense, doesn't it? But looking forward at it, we're kind of scratching my head. And I, I think the same thing is going to be true with the rapture of the church and the second coming of the Lord. You know, how it all, is all going to happen. It's probably not going to all happen just like, just like even I've taught it over all these years. There's some details be a little different. But when you look back at it, we're going to say it happened just like the Bible said. Are you okay with that? Now, do you want me to be honest with you and tell you that I haven't figured it all out? Or do you want me to stand up here and be dogmatic and say I figured it all out when I haven't? You want me to be honest, don't you? So I'm going to do it the best I can. Now, look at Matthew 24, 36. This will help you too, as far as predicting when the Lord comes back. 
Jesus said, but of that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, but my Father only. Now, since nobody knows but the Heavenly Father when Jesus is going to come back, does it do us any good to try to predict a day? All we do is make fools out of ourselves. Is that right, if we try to predict a day? Now, while we can't know the day or the hour, yet the Bible is very clear that we can know the season. We're allowed to say the season. We can know that. You know what I mean by the season? Not the exact day or hour, but the season. And dear friends, from my study of the Word of God, it is clear to me that we are living in the season of His return. Now, each generation thought that they were the generation that would see His coming. But, I think that... I mean, the signs that you see, I mean, we read about a bunch of them here just a moment ago, nation rising against nation and earthquakes and all of that. But you could make an argument that we've always kind of had some of those things going on. But if you look at verse 32 here, Matthew 24, 32, there's something that happened in 1948. That's a long time ago. That's where I was born. How many, how many of you were here in 19... How many of you weren't born yet in 1948? I, I, but in 1948, something happened. And Jesus said this in verse 32. Learn the parable of the fig tree. Now in Scripture, the fig tree is symbolic of the nation of Israel. When its branch has already become tender and puts forth leaves, you know that summer is near. Now what almost all good theologians agree is what he's talking about there is in, in talk that you and I can understand is he's saying there... That Israel will have to be a nation. Will have to be a nation before end time prophecy can be fulfilled. And did you know in 1948, now you think about this, in 1942, 43 and all of right in there, the Jews were in the ovens of, of Adolf Hitler. And in just, just a couple of short years, they have their own nation again. Can anybody say amen? Isn't that wonderful? And so Israel had to be a nation again, and that happened in 1948. And then he said in verse 33, So you also, when you see all these things, see, it's not just one sign going on, like an earthquake here, or a nation rising against a nation here, or a false prophet rising up here. What he's saying is that when you see all these signs at the same time, and that's why I think we're, we are in the, the generation that's going to see the Lord's return. Because he says right here in verse 34, he says, I say to you, this generation, realize I say this generation, this generation will by no means pass away till all these things take place. The generation, I'm convinced, that sees Israel become a nation again, 1948, that generation will not pass off the scene until all things be fulfilled. See, there's still people around. Uh, uh, if you take, <clears throat> just think about this. If you have a little child in 1948, let's say they live 100 years. How, what's 1948 plus 100? Now, you can do that. 2048. So we've still got a little time, don't we? That generation's still going to be around for a little while yet. Yet, Jesus could come at any time. Don't misunderstand me. But you see... The, the generation that sees all these different signs at the same time, 
and the generation that sees that fig tree sees Israel become a nation, that generation will by no means pass till all these things take place. And then verse 35, and don't ever forget there's verse 35, heaven and earth will pass away, but Jesus' words will by no means pass away. Everybody said, Amen. You can count that the Bible is true. Don't ever forget it. Men can miss it. But Jesus never does. Now, another sign that is just, just is powerful. Look at Daniel 12, verse 4. Uh, Daniel 12, verse 4. And, and uh, the angel, I believe it is, is here, says to Daniel, he was a prophet in the Old Testament. And, and he had the prophecies concerning the different nations. Uh, very wonderful man of God. He said, that, the angel said this to him, but you, Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book until the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro. And I believe that's making reference to, to speedy worldwide travel. Uh, do we have speedy worldwide travel right now? Used to be covered wagons, is that right? And now it's jet airplanes, something, isn't it? But be that as it may, and knowledge shall what? Shall increase now that, that now he said that when knowledge in, when there's a knowledge explosion, we're going to be at the time of the end. Has there been a knowledge explosion? Now, now some argue that it's a knowledge explosion of understanding the word of God better than we ever have. That's true too. We have more revelation of the word of God in this last generation than we've had up, up till now. But it's it, but this is also talking about. A knowledge explosion. How many of you know just uh, just now, just a hundred years ago, it was smoke signals pretty much, wasn't it? Wasn't it? I mean, give or take. You know what smoke signals are? How many of you know what smoke signals are? You know, and, and, and now we've got a little telephone that you can talk halfway around the world in seconds. My wife and I, sometimes we're driving in a car and she'll text me just for the fun of it. And, and, and we, won't, we might not be talking to one another, not that we're fighting or anything, but just for the fun of it. She'll text me and that text goes up, what, thousands of miles, hits a satellite or whatever, however it works and comes back down. To, isn't that fascinating? You young kids, I tell you what, when I was a kid and I wanted to make a phone call, I had to have 20 cents to find a... Do you know kids these days, they don't even know what a wall telephone, a landline, a lot of them, they look at a telephone, they don't have a clue what it is. You know, the rotary dial, how many remembers the rotary dial? That's a long time ago, and then they're punching the button, not punching the buttons. But my little granddaughter came over the other day, and I told her to go to the phone, look at the wall, and she looked at it. She wouldn't have any idea how to work that thing. Most kids don't even know what a dial tone is anymore. You don't have dial tones on cell phones. First time I picked up a cell phone years ago, I said, where's the dial tone? You know what I'm saying? But, 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 but the knowledge, I mean, and, and, and the social media, and how many of you know something? I mean, I could do something weird in here. You could take a picture of me, and it could be on the, on, all over the globe and trending and everything else. Is that right? How many of you know that's true? And years ago, that wasn't that way. If I wanted to call home, I'd have to find a payphone. How many knows what a payphone is? You know, put in the, two, two, the 20 cents and make the call. So knowledge, has knowledge exploded or hasn't it? Medical science has exploded. I mean, you can look at almost any arena, every area. Uh, the, the knowledge is exploded. We're in the time of the end. Am I boring anybody? Are we okay? Okay, okay. All right, so what lay ahead? Well, the next thing for the church is the rapture of the church. Now, now what in the world is the rapture of the church? The rapture of the church is when the Lord comes back and catches every believer up to heaven. Now, if this wasn't in the Bible, I wouldn't believe it. It, it, it seems outlandish, 
But it's in the Bible, and if if it's in the Bible, no matter how outlandish, we need to believe it. Is that right? Let me give you a few verses here. Look at 1 Thessalonians 4.13, real quick. But I don't want you to be ignorant, brethren. This is the Apostle Paul writing to the church. We're going to get into this deeper in my my study there when we study the book of 2 Thessalonians in in a week or so. But look at this on Wednesday nights. I'd encourage you all to come if you can. 1 Thessalonians 4. I don't want you to be ignorant. That just means unlearned, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep. That means those who have already died. Lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who, who have already died. Okay? For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who have already died. Asleep means already died. For the Lord himself... Now here's what happens at the rapture. Now watch this. The rapture means to be caught up. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet of God, the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain, that could be you and me. How many of you would like to cheat the undertaker? Then we, you know what I mean by cheat the undertaker? I don't like thinking about laying in the casket on my body. Well, I wouldn't be there anyway. I'd be with the Lord, but... So let's get this again. Verse 16. The Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout. With the voice of the archangel, trumpet of God, the dead in Christ. Those who have already died as believers will what? Will rise first. Their bodies are coming out of the grave. If they've been cremated, their bodies are coming back together. Now you see, if that wasn't in the Bible, I'd have trouble believing it. But God can do that. Is that right? Then we who are alive and remain, there will be some people, it could be us, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus will always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. See, when you talk about the rapture, it ought to bring comfort to you, unless you're not saved. If you don't know Jesus, then it ought to scare you. But if you know Jesus, there should just be comfort. That's the rapture of the church. That's when the church gets... Rapture means to be caught up. That's when the church gets raptured. Won't that be a glorious day? Look at 1 Corinthians 15.51. 1 Corinthians 15.51, Paul gives us a little more on it. He says, I tell you a mystery. See, this rapture, the Old Testament prophets really didn't write about the rapture. They wrote about the second coming. Much of what Jesus, he, he, Jesus didn't really talk about the rapture. He talked about the second coming. The Apostle Paul got the revelation from the Lord on the rapture of the church. See, the rapture takes place about seven years before the second coming of Christ. The rapture takes place about seven years before the second coming of Christ. Jesus' second coming comes at the end of the tribulation. That means the Lord catches the church up to heaven before the tribulation happens. That's comforting, isn't it? Notice here in 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty one: Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. Now, what does that mean? We'll not all die physically. Isn't that good news? But we shall all be what? Changed or transformed. Our bodies. See, if you, if you know Jesus as your Savior, your spirit's ready for heaven, but your body's not. Your body couldn't take it. Is that right? When you go up in an airplane, they have to have that thing. Uh, what do they pressurize the cabin, don't they? Because your body couldn't take it. Is that right at that altitude? So your body's going to have to be changed. And how quick does it get changed? Verse 52 in what? In a 
moment, the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible. We just read about that. And we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, this mortal must put on immortality. Now we could read on, but we'll stop there. So what happens at the rapture of the church? The Lord comes back. He brings all those believers whose spirits are already in heaven. He brings those people with him. Their bodies are resurrected and their spirits and their bodies are reunited. Isn't that wonderful? And then we who are alive and remain, we're changed and we get our glorified body. I'm going to get my hair back. Praise God forevermore. Hallelujah. And then we get to, we go up with him. And it's going to happen so fast, folks, in an atomic second moment. Faster than you can blink your eye or snap your finger. Isn't that wonderful? And that's what we're waiting for. That could happen at any moment. You okay? And then after that happens, go to 1 Corinthians 3.11. There's going to be what is called in Scripture the judgment seat of Christ. It is a judgment for believers. And we'll be judged for the works we've done here in the body. You see, we, our good works cannot get us to heaven. Heaven's a free gift through faith in Jesus. But once we get to heaven, we'll be judged for the works we've done in our bodies here on the earth. Every Christian ought to know about this. 1 Corinthians 3.11, he says, For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. What did he just say there? Jesus is the only way that we can get to heaven. But once we have Jesus... Then, then we, we live our life here on the earth. Now watch this. If anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, that's good works, wood, hay, straw, those represent bad works. Each one's work will be clear for the day will declare it because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. If anyone's work, this is a Christian now, if anyone's work which he has built on endures, he will receive a what? A reward. But if anyone's work is burned, that means you didn't do good things for the Lord while you were here. He will what? Suffer loss, loss of reward. But he himself will be what? Saved because salvation is a free gift. Isn't that wonderful? Yet so as through the fire. Now that's the judgment seat of Christ. And we could talk for hours on that. But let's go on because I'm trying to take you from what's going to happen from now on out to the... to. to on out into eternity. So we've got the rapture of the church. And people ask me sometimes, who goes in the rapture? Everybody who's in Christ. If you're in Christ, you're going to the rapture. Can you say amen? amen? Then there's this judgment seat of Christ. Judgment for believers works. And then, you also need to know, and I think we need to look at this. Go to 2 Thessalonians 2.7. Because there's an antichrist that is going to come on the scene and be released upon the earth. And you need to realize that that Antichrist cannot be released. Have you ever heard of the Mark of the Beast? We're going to talk about that here in just a moment. The Antichrist cannot be released until the church is raptured or caught up to, or taken out of the earth or caught up to heaven. Look at 2 Thessalonians 2.7. We'll talk a great deal about this in my class that's coming up. But notice this. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so. This is talking about the church. I'm convinced of it. Only now he who restrains will do so until he is what? Taken out of the way. See, once the church is taken out of the way, caught up to heaven, then the Antichrist will be released. How many of you are glad we're going to be getting out of here before the Antichrist comes? Well, I'm glad of that. 
And then, and then we could talk about once we're in heaven, there's that judgment seat of Christ and the rewards are passed out. Some people suffer loss and all of that. And then there's going to be what's known as the marriage supper of the Lamb. It's going to be a big party in heaven. How many of you know you haven't been to a party until you've been to one that God has thrown? Wonderful. He's, he throws great parties. It's going to be a fabulous time. But on the earth, the Antichrist will be released and it will begin the seven-year tribulation period. See, we haven't got to that yet. The Antichrist will appear as a peacemaker. He'll win people over with smooth talking. He'll make a seven-year peace agreement with Israel. And he will be accepted as their Messiah. Did you know that the Muslims are looking for a Messiah also? And I think that this guy somehow is going to satisfy who the Muslims are looking for. He's going to definitely satisfy who the Jews are looking for. And there's going to be peace in the Middle East finally. And he signs an agreement for seven years. But it's going to be short-lived because in the middle of that tribulation, he's going to turn his back on Israel and he's going to break that covenant. Now, once the church is raptured and the Antichrist is released, the Bible talks about judgments of God poured out on the earth. Remember, God's a good God, but he also has a severe side. You don't want to fool with the severe side of God. You understand that? And you don't ever have to if you receive Jesus and walk close to to the Lord. You don't ever have to deal with God's severe side. But there's a lot of people who reject Jesus and they don't want anything to do with the Lord and so forth. And those people, if you won't accept God's goodness, then there's nothing left but his severity. And the judgments of God will be falling on the earth. But even in the midst of God's judgment, you see his great goodness. Go to Revelation 7 verse 4. Because Revelation 7 verse 4 says this. And I heard the number of those who were sealed. 144,000 of the tribes of the children of Israel were sealed. Now, we could talk for hours about this, but I'll keep it brief. Once the church is raptured out, there's going to be 144,000 virgin Jewish evangelists that are going to begin to evangelize and preach the gospel throughout the earth. Now, you remember a while ago when I said I don't think that the church is going to finish getting the gospel to the whole earth? It's because we've done a good job with it, but when the church is taken out, don't ever forget this, God always maintains the voice in the earth, and when the church is taken out, these 144,000 evangelists are going to pick up where the church left off, and they're going to go throughout evangelizing the earth. You see... People are going to be getting saved by the multitudes once the rapture of the church takes place. So, you know, there's a lot of people are afraid that their loved one is going to miss out. Well, your loved one that has rejected Jesus or has neglected to receive Jesus, they might miss out on the rapture of the church. But God is a good God and he's got a second busload going out at the middle of the tribulation. Can you say amen? And, and, And so if your loved one has missed the rapture, God, in his great goodness, he's going to send these guys out to preach. And I'm convinced there's going to be a lot of people that would not, come to, would not receive Jesus, wouldn't come to Jesus, wouldn't serve him, wouldn't come to church or anything like that. And they wouldn't listen to us. But all of a sudden, we're gone. And all of a sudden, now, they, oh my gosh, they were right. And then these guys are going to come along preaching the gospel. They're going to receive Jesus. They're going to have to go through some hard stuff. But how many of you know it beats going to hell, doesn't it? Because the second half of that tribulation is going to be far worse than the first half. 
And there's going to be a mid, mid-tribulation rapture. You know, if you've studied this at all, there's a lot of times people argue and they say, well, is there, is there rapture? Is it before the tribulation? Or some say it's in the middle of the tribulation. And, and, and which one is right? Dear friends, they're both right. There's a, you study your Bible. There's a rapture that takes place before the tribulation, which you and I can get in on. But then there's another one that's going to happen. Study your Bible. You say, middle of the tribulation. Say God's good. He's, he's a good God. He's merciful. The great God, Jehovah. Elohim, Yahweh, He is the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He is merciful. We're allowed to say God is merciful. Oh, He's He's merciful. He's merciful. But these guys are going to go preach. Because the gospel has to get to the entirety of the earth before Jesus can come in the second coming. Now, speaking of that mid-tribulation rapture, because you want scripture for that, I know you're a good group of people, so let me give you scripture. Revelation 7, verse 9. Let's read this. Revelation 7, verse 9. This is in uh, approximately, if you did the timeline, middle of the, tri- middle of the tribulation. Watch this. After, John is in heaven now, and he says, After these things I looked, and behold, a great multitude which no one could number, of all the nations, tribes, peoples, tongues, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes, and palm branches in their hands and crying out with a loud voice saying salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Verse 13 for the sake of time. Then one of the elders answered saying to me who are these arrayed in white robes and where did they come from? And I said to him sir you know. So he said to me these are the ones who came out of great tribulation and washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Can you say amen to that? Isn't God good? He's so merciful. He is so merciful. He's so merciful. And then if we had the time, we could look at Revelation 14, but we won't go there because these, once these 144,000, once they finish their work, they're going to be raptured. And then there's two other guys going to come on the scene. They're called the two witnesses. And uh, people... You see, where the, when the 144,000 finish their ministry, these two witnesses come on the scene. People want to know who the two witnesses are. And, and small wars, if, if you're not aware of any of this stuff, I'm telling you now, small wars have been fought about who these guys are. Who are they? Who are they? Who are they? Who are they? You know, us arguing about who they are isn't going to do any good. I just know there's going to be two guys. They're going to be God's two witnesses. I, I, I think I know who they are. They're Enoch and Elijah. Why are they Enoch and Elijah? Because Enoch and Elijah have never suffered physical death, have they? Enoch, the Bible said he he had a testimony that he pleased God and he was not, for God took him, just caught him up, raptured him, way back in the Old Testament. And then Elijah was taken in a whirlwind to heaven. God can do that if he wants to, can't he? And the Bible says in the book of Hebrews, it's appointed unto men wants to die and after this the judgment so you see these are the only two men Enoch and Elijah that have never died but we're going to read here in just a moment that they're going to come minister and they're, they're going to die I remember I was teaching in a Bible school many years ago and there's a big guy in the class big guy D big D big big guy looked like Paul Bunyan now I was teaching about the two witnesses and we were delving more into it because we had more time and and uh, I was going through my proofs of why I thought it was Enoch and Elijah, but I wasn't, couldn't be 100% sure, but I think that it is. And, and he hand went up. And he said, Brother Terry, I've got something to say. I said, okay. And he said, uh, I know who one of the two witnesses is. I said, okay. 
I said, who is it? He said, it's, it's me. I'm one of them. And I said, D, I said, I, 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 I just don't think so. I said, and then I gave him, and, and he stood up. He said, I think I am one of them. I said, okay, that's fine. If you want to be one of them, you, you can be one of them. D's in heaven now. He wasn't one of the two witnesses. He came to me later. He was a baby Christian. He came to me later and he said, you know, years later he came to me and he said, you know, he said, I, I, I didn't, I, he said, I'm not one of the two witnesses. Uh, but, but, but what are these guys going to do? Look at Revelation 11 and 3. By the way, that was really funny, I thought. I wish you could have been there looking at D when he was about ready to pop you in the mouth, you know. And God will get, look at Revelation 11.3. Are you learning anything? That's what I'm interested in. It's good review, if nothing else. And some of you, you've never heard this before, and so it's good to know. And others, you've heard it, and it's good review. 11.3, Revelation 11.3. And I'll give power to my two witnesses, and they'll prophesy 1,260 days closed in sackcloth. That's three and a half years. That's the last half of the tribulation period. It's seven years long, the last three and a half years. They pick up where the 144,000 leaves off. Verse 5, and if anyone wants to harm them, fire proceeds, <laughs> if anyone wants to harm them, fire proceeds from their mouth and devours their enemies. Whew, think about that. Is that going to be like a human blowtorch or is that going to be symbolic? I don't know. I just don't want to be on the receiving end of it, whatever it is. How about you? I don't want to fool with these guys. And if anyone wants to harm them, he must be killed in this manner. Verse 7, when they finish their testimony, the beast that ascends out of the bottomless pit will make war against them, overcome them, and kill them. Overcome them and kill them. Now, verse 11. Now, after three and a half, I mean, CNN's going to be going crazy when they're watching this stuff. Do you know who CNN is? Okay. Fox News, will they be there? They're probably been raptured because everybody over at Fox is saved, right? Okay, no, no. <laughs> MSNBC, break, you know, every time you turn that on, you, most of you probably have better sense than to watch that as much as I do, but every time CNN comes on, breaking news, breaking news, breaking news. I mean, and sometimes my wife and I kid, the breaking news is that there's breaking news, everything's breaking, but they're, they're going to have some real breaking news when this stuff happens. You know, the Bible says in the book of Revelation that when Jesus comes, every eye will see him. You know, back years ago, we scratched our head at that. How could every eye see him when he comes? Do you have your cell phone? But when he comes in the second coming, guess what? Every eye can what? Do you see how Bible prophecy is? It, it, God's right on the money, isn't he? Years ago, you couldn't figure out how could every eye see him. I mean, think back before they had television. But now, can you see every... I mean, Jesus, when he comes, he's going to be all over face. He's going to be all over everything when he comes. Is that right? Is that wonderful? Verse 11, now after three and a half days, the breath of life from God, <laughs> this wolf blitzer is going to be going crazy when he sees this. Now after three and a half days, the breath of life from God enters them and they stood on their feet in great fear. They're going to be resurrected right in the streets of Jerusalem. Do you see that? Now if that wasn't in the Bible, I wouldn't believe it, but it's in the Bible, I believe it. This is fascinating, isn't it? And they heard a loud voice from heaven saying, come up here. And they ascended to heaven in a cloud and their enemies saw them. Think about that, these two witnesses. They've got fire coming out of their mouth. Then, for some reason, they're killed. They lay there for what? For three and a half days. And then they're resurrected and they're caught up. I mean, this is fascinating, isn't it? Fascinating. 
Let me try to finish this up. I've just got about a page and a half here to go. Let's finish this. The Antichrist stands up. Now, once this happens, the Antichrist, he's been a peacemaker, but now he stands up in the temple and he proclaims himself as God. He turns his back on Israel. He blasphemes God and he breaks his peace agreement with Israel. And then what he does is look at Revelation 13 and 16. He's got a guy working with him that's known as the false prophet. And this is going to be a religious leader, a false religious leader, this false prophet. Notice what this guy's going to do now during the last half of the tribulation period. So you've got the, 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 the two witnesses ministering. And now, and so their ministry is going on. We read what's going to happen to them. But now look here, Revelation 13, 16. And he causes all both small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hands or their foreheads that no one may buy or sell. Years ago I was at Six Flags. Anybody ever go to Six Flags? And when you leave Six Flags, you know, to go out and get a sandwich or whatever, because if you buy something at Six Flags, you're going to pay more than you should. So we'd always go up and get something at McDonald's and come back. Anybody ever do that besides me? How many knows what Six Flags is? Okay, you've got to ask sometimes. You know. and, and, and so I had a friend of mine, and he knew a little bit about the Bible, and they was going to stamp his hand. And he wouldn't let him stamp the hand. And I said, why won't you let him stamp the hand? He said, I don't want to receive the mark of the beast. I said, well, we're not in the middle of the tribulation. He said, I don't want to take any chances. And so they were marking the right hand that day, so somehow or another he allowed them. He, he, so they took the mark on the left. Well, anyway, it's funny. So, don't take any chances. But believe me, if you're here in that hour, which I trust you won't be, you don't want to take that mark. Because if you take that mark, you condemn yourself to hell, the Bible says. So it's a joking matter at Six Flags. But if you're in this hour, which you, it's not a joking matter. Say amen. amen. All right. So notice this, verse 16. He causes all both small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive the mark in their right hand and foreheads. No one can sell, buy or sell, except they have the mark in the name of the beast. Are the number of his name. Here's wisdom. Let one, let him who has understanding calculate the number of the beast. For it is the number of a man. What's the number? Six, six, six. What's the good news for us? We won't be here when this is going on. So we don't have to worry about it. So the judgments of God continue to fall on the earth. You got the mark of the beast going on. You know, the, if we had time, I'd, I'd take you to the scripture. But I'll just tell you. The most fascinating thing to me about the book of Revelation, one of the most, not the most, but one of the most, is that when God's judgments are falling, he's giving men time to repent, and he's begging for them to repent. And the Bible says in the midst of all of that, God's wanting them to repent, and men refuse to repent. Isn't that sad? And God is so good. You want to see how, how else good he is? That's not good English, but it's, you, want to see, I mean, you want to see how else good he is? Let me show you how else good he is. That once the two witnesses are in heaven, guess what? Look at Revelation 14, verse 6. Watch this. How good God is. He doesn't want any to perish. Watch this. Revelation 14, verse 6. 14, verse 6. Revelation 14, verse 6. This is right near the end of the tribulation. Then I saw another angel flying in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach to those who dwell on the earth. What's God doing here? I mean, he's had the church for 2,000 years. Then he's had the 144,000 evangelists. Now he's had the two witnesses. And now he's, going one, he's making one last sweep with an angel. Sweeping the globe. Isn't God good? 
making one last sweep to every nation, tribe, tongue, and people, saying with a loud voice, Fear God and give glory to Him, for the hour of His judgment has come. Worship Him who made heaven, earth, the sea, and springs of water. He sends His angel out to make one last sweep of the earth to get everybody saved that He can. Brings tears to my eyes. Isn't God good? He's very good. And once that angel has finished his work, we come to Revelation 19, verse 11. Let's just read some scripture here. Very little commentary. Just let the word speak for itself. Watch this. John said, Now I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. And he who sat on him was called Faithful and True. And in righteousness he judges and makes war. Anybody knows who this is? This is Jesus. His eyes were like a flame of fire, and his head had many crowns. He had a name written that no one knew except himself. He was clothed with a robe, dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies in heaven, that's you and me, we're in there, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses. Now out of his mouth goes a sharp sword, and with it he should strike the nations. And he himself will rule them with a rod of iron. He himself treads the winepress of the fierceness of the wrath of Almighty God. You see, at this time, the armies that are left upon the earth, the armies of the devil, the armies of the, uh, uh, the evil armies have been gathered to the Middle East to fight what is known as the Battle of Armageddon. And Jesus comes to fight that, 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 that war. In verse 16, And he has on his robe and on his thigh a name, King of kings and Lord of lords. And I saw an angel standing in the sun, and he cried with a loud voice, saying to all the birds that fly in the midst of heaven, Come and gather together for the supper of the great God, that you may eat the flesh of kings, the flesh of captains, the flesh of mighty men, the flesh of horses and those that sit on them, and the flesh of all the people, free and slave, both small and great. The Bible says in another place that the blood is going to run to the horse's bridle for about 200 miles over there in the, in the Middle East. I tell you, God's a good God. And His goodness will bring tears to your eyes. But I tell you what, if you reject His goodness, you don't want to fool with Him. Somebody say amen. Verse 19, And I saw the beast, that's the Antichrist, and the kings of the earth and their armies gathered together to make war against him who sat on the horse and against his army. Then the beast was captured, and with him the false prophet that worked signs in his presence, by which he deceived those who, who received the mark of the beast and those who worshipped his image. These two were cast alive where? Into the lake, burning with fire and brimstone. Can you say amen? And the rest were killed with the sword which proceeded from the mouth of him who sat on the horse, and all the birds filled were filled with their flesh. The Bible says then, Satan is bound for a thousand years in the, in the, in the bottomless pit. And then Jesus will uh, uh, start his millennial reign upon the earth. He'll reign on the earth with a rod of iron for a thousand years. It's known as a millennium. And you and I will be his administrators. And you, you see, in that hour, we'll get an assignment based on our faithfulness in the here and now. If you were faithful to God in the here and now, doing the littlest thing, he might make you, he, he, he might make you the President of the United States. Did you know that? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The people that are in political authority now won't be in authority then. Most of those are crooks and liars. Is that right? Am I right? Then say all of them. I said most of them. Is that right? But the, 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 little, the little lady that was just faithful to pray person that came was faithful to work in the Sunday school. 
Jesus just might make them the president of the United States in the millennium. Oh, yeah. It'll be a great time. I could talk for an hour about the, what's going to go on in the millennium. The lion will lay down with the lamb. The child, the Bible says the child will play at the den of the asp and won't be hurt. Isn't that wonderful? Wouldn't that be wonderful? The millennium, the devil will be locked away. But the Bible says at the end of the millennium, the devil will be released for a season. He'll be released for a season and he'll go out to deceive. And the Bible says that the people are going to follow him as a sand of the sea. Even during the millennium when the devil's locked away, once the devil's released to go out and deceive, there's going to be multitudes follow the devil. Isn't that sad? But in Revelation 20, verse 10, the Bible said, The devil who deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are. Don't ever forget that hell is eternal and it's very real. But I'll be glad in that day when the devil's cast into the lake of fire, won't you? And they'll be tormented day and night forever and ever. And then in Revelation 20, verse 11, I'm almost finished. Revelation 20, verse 11. All the people that rejected Jesus Christ throughout all the eons of time now will have to finally stand before God. This is not the same as the judgment seat of Christ that we read about a moment ago. This is a different judgment. This is for those who rejected God, who rejected His Son Jesus, who rejected the precious Spirit of God. Look at Revelation 20, verse 11. Then I saw a great white throne in Him who sat on it, from whose face the earth and heaven fled away. And there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God. And the books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. See, if you, when you receive Jesus, your name goes in the book of life. But these people didn't receive Jesus. And they're not found in the book. And the dead were judged according to their works. See, they, they didn't receive Jesus, so now they've got to stand on their own. By the things which were written in the books. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it. Death and Hades or hell gave up the dead which were in them. And they were judged each one according to his works. Then death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. If anyone was not found written in the book of life, they were cast into the lake of fire. Isn't that sad? Very sad. That brings tears of sadness to my eyes. Very sad. In Revelation 20, verse 1, Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth. How many is looking forward to that? For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Listen, you need to understand something. This earth that we live on is not going to be blown up to smithereens. There will be wars fought on it, but it's not going to be blown to smithereens. This earth is not going to be destroyed by man. It will be blown up and it will be, be, be ravaged. But this, this earth is not going to be destroyed and blown into non-existence. But the Bible says that this earth is going to be renovated. Realize, say renovated. Have you ever seen an old house that wasn't fit to live in, but they renovated it and made it look just like new? That's what's going to happen to this earth. God's going to renovate it by fire. Why is he going to have to do, use fire on it? Because all the sin, the sinful things that are in this earth, he's going to have to burn all of it out. And he's going to renovate it. He said, I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and first earth had passed away. There was no more sea. Then I, John, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And that's when God moves to earth. God loves us so much, he's going he's to fix the place up and he's going to move to earth. Isn't that wonderful? 
And then we're going to go out on out into eternity to ever be with the Lord. Now we're going to close. Normally I close right here, but I felt impressed. We're going to close in 2 Peter 3 verse 8. Let this speak to you. I know it was a little longer today. I know we covered a lot of material. But I think you uh, can handle it. Amen? I, th- I think you can handle it. Did you enjoy it? Interesting. Second Peter 3, 8. Let these verses speak to you as we close. This is the Apostle Peter. He walked right there with Jesus. His basically number one apostle. And here's what he writes. He says, Second Peter 3, 8. But beloved, do not forget this one thing. That with the Lord, one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is as one day. So what does that mean? If God's not doing things as think quick as we think, if He's not doing things as quick as we think He should, He looks at time a whole lot different than we look at it. When He says, "I'm coming quickly," to Him that could be a thousand years. A thousand years, long time to me, but to Him it's just a day. Verse 9, let the Holy Ghost talk to you here. The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us. Why hasn't He come yet? He's long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come, it will come as a thief in the night, at the end in the which, that means at the end of which, the heavens will pass away with a great noise. And the elements will melt with fervent heat. We just talked about that. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. Therefore, listen to this, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to to be in holy conduct and godliness? Looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be dissolved, being on fire, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. See, he's going to renovate it. Where are we going to be when he renovates it? I think we'll be in heaven while he's renovating the earth. Verse 13. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Therefore, beloved, looking forward to these things, be diligent to be found by him in peace without spot and blameless. And consider that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation. Why hasn't he come yet? He wants as many people to get saved as possible. As also our beloved brother Paul, according to the wisdom given him, has written unto you. As also in all his epistles, speaking in in them of these things, in which are some things hard to understand. Paul wrote some things hard to understand. uh, Anyway, which untaught and unstable people twist to their own destructions, as they do also the rest of the scriptures. You, therefore, beloved, since you know this beforehand, beware lest you also fall from your own steadfastness, being led away with the error of the wicked. So he said, don't be led away with the error of the wicked. But here's what you do. Grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and forever. Amen. Stand with me if you would. Bow your heads, please. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Stand with me if you would. Bow your heads, please. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Well, there's a holy presence of God in this place. Holy presence of God. 